there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It was life, life or death, really. That World Cup brought a lot of things that, that were completely unexpected. That being obviously the biggest one of them. Well done, Cristiano. But he doesn't belong to that conversation. Uh, Leo is well above. I think Maradona was battling between Argentina to succeed against the wish for Argentina to succeed with Leo. Do you think that it was enough to make the final? Would it have been enough? Or did he need to win it? The fact that he's done it at the highest level for more often than anybody else in history gives him the title of the GOAT. If you had to describe him in one word, what is the word that, that, that comes to mind for you? It's a chance to actually tell the, the, the true story. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Ripple Effect. I am so excited about this conversation that I'm about to have. I have spoken to Guillaume Balaguer previously, who joins me right now. And we spoke about his dream teams uh, a while back, which was so much fun. And we, we spoke about uh, Lionel Messi at one point there, someone who's obviously been a huge part of your career. Uh, and you, you know, you've written his biography and you've updated that biography understandably so Guillaume because a lot has happened and I just want to get into a a conversation that allows me to sort of put forward a load of ideas and then just listen to you Guillaume because Lionel Messi you're very there's a fortune to, to your life I would imagine because there are people that are the biographer for different people and it's often or it's never really Lionel Messi to have someone who is so loved in so many ways, uh, it, it must be such a joy for you. Well, the first question I wanted to ask before getting into the weeds uh, and I guess the, the cosmic elements, I think, of Messi winning the World Cup. What was your first experience of Lionel Messi, like in any form or any way, not 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 meeting him, but what was your first moment of knowing of that name of Lionel Messi, someone who has obviously changed your life somewhat, I would imagine? He has. He has made it better in many ways. And the first time I heard of him was when he trained with the first team of Barcelona as a 17-year-old. Many will tell you that uh, they had followed his career since he was a kid, <laughs> stuff like that. That will be the exception. It was quite clear that inside La Masia and inside Football Club Barcelona, people knew of him. Uh, but the repercussion of that first training session uh, had a ripple effect and uh, and reached me and others uh, because the message was, oh, my God, there is this guy uh, that Ronaldinho said, this is the story I heard, uh, Ronaldinho said on that first training session to everyone who, who wanted to hear it, this is Ronaldinho, best player in the world at the time, uh, who was obviously the, the, the leader of, of Barcelona. He said at the end of the session, he's going to be better than me. And people wouldn't believe uh, that. Uh, I mean, this is like Mbappé saying of a, of a 16-year-old, he's going to be better than me. I mean, how, how, how could Ronaldinho think that way? But it was such an amazing training session for somebody that was very, very quiet, who, as you know, at, at Barcelona first, is like piggies in the middles, and he was quite good there. 
But then, of course, these uh, these small side games and and I'll, everything it did, it was just did it brilliantly. And as a 17 year old, to have that impact and not to be faced by the fact that you had Eto, Ronaldinho, or, or Mota, or Deco, uh, Xavi, Iniesta in that group and still do well, it's like, oh, there's something special about it. But for Ronaldinho to say that, that of course is one of the stories that I say as soon as I can in the book because uh, you could see for people that knew football that uh, Messi was going to be special. And that was uh, from the moment I heard that, it's like, right, we have to keep an eye on it. And I remember being on. Maybe 17, so he'll be a year and a half later, something like that, 18, 19. I was on uh, Revista de la Liga with Mark Bolton. And uh, and I remember saying, uh, I couldn't hold myself. I said, this guy is going to be the best player in the world. And Mark laughed because that's the first reaction everybody would do. It's like, okay. sure. well, like him at a time where, if you remember, it was a... It was the uh, the Porto era, then the Chelsea era of physical football and big midfielders. It's like that that little guy. Uh, well, I just the, the more <laughs> the more Mark laughed at it, the more I reinforced my point. And mm. there's a risk to that because you you never know how I could well uh, how it could go. But I was um, from then on uh, from that transition, I kept hearing stories and I could see the impact of his appearance. Um, that that. Yeah, I was convinced he was going to be, he was going to get to the top. The, was it a sort of a hundred percent certainty there, or, or was there a moment? Because one thing, I, there's a couple of phrases that sort of spring into mind for me when I was thinking about Lionel Messi and his story. And one is sort of comparison being the the thief of joy, and and actually one of the sort of the the new additions to the book is a, a chapter called "The End of All Debates," which is I you know is about obviously the the World Cup and. The goal against Getafe, did was that a moment when you talk about that sort of that feeling that he is going to be the best? At some point, you still need to really, truly see it in front of your eyes. Was that goal a moment where you thought, "Uh oh, like th- this is for real?" And then also with that, the first initial comparison with Maradona, which I think was obviously nestled in to you know his upbringing, I would imagine. But on the world stage, to see him score a goal that was so similar to that great Maradona goal, like what are your reflections on on that moment within his career? It was a big moment. We all knew about, about Leo Messi at that point. Uh, we we didn't want to make comparisons to Maradona because it was miles away from it. But uh, it was an Argentinian that was at Barcelona. There was, of course, things that you could uh, you could find that uh, were similar to the story of uh, of Diego Armando Maradona and that goal. Yes, it was like unbelievable how close it is to the uh, to the good goal against uh, against <laughs> England. But by then we we had an idea that uh, uh, that he was going to be special, not only because of Ronaldinho, but a couple of things happened uh, before that Getafe goal uh, that made me think, uh, keep an eye on him, uh, kind of pushed um, me to tell Sky we need to talk with this guy. And by then, we've done a couple of interviews with him. Uh, The first uh, moment, public moment, if you like, uh, taken away from the the training session was uh, a friendly against Juventus at the the Gamper Trophy. Uh, It was Rijkaard versus Fabio Capello, Fabio Capello in charge of Juventus. And Fabio... Uh, Leo Messi started and uh, Patrick Vieira was in the middle of the park for Juventus and he was just destroying Juventus and in the middle of the game uh, 
Fabio Capello went to Frank Reichardt and said, Frank, uh, can, can I have him on loan? And Frank was like, no way. You've seen <laughs> yeah. the same thing that I'm saying. This, this guy is, is useful to us already, even though he's 17. And then uh, other moments, you know, games against Chelsea, uh, derbies against uh, Espanyol, uh, hat-trick against Real Madrid. A lot of things were, were pointing out of, of somebody that, uh, that had... As I said, uh, was touched by the uh, by the hand of God, if you like. Uh, but the the moment when I realized that this was international, uh, and obviously it helped a lot what we were doing with the Sky and, and the fact that Barcelona Madrid were uh, games were were live and you didn't need to change the channel. It was Sky Sports One, Premier League finished. Uh, you know, just go and change uh, or have another cup of tea because. Spanish football comes on. You don't need to change the channel. Everybody was watching it. Spanish football was was massive. You you remember, of course, as a kid that you were uh, watching Spanish football at the time. But um, I uh, I had a job to do, a commercial job to do. The first one that I did with him uh, for Adidas. Uh, so the story was that, uh, and I don't think many people will remember this. Leo Messi. Flew. He had a day off uh, with a private jet. Flew to London uh, to Harney Marshes. Marshes. That how it's called. The Harney Marshes. He was going to do three more, three things, which I bet when it was planned by the um, marketing creative forces of uh, of Adidas, they thought it was a brilliant idea. But let's see how it finished. Uh, he was going to um, land with a helicopter in the marshes which he did. Then uh, he was going to sit on the bench of uh, two teenage games. It, it was like under-16s, uh, Blues against Whites, that they were playing. They didn't know what was going on. He was going to sit on the bench, replace one of the guys, and play. Right, After right. a while, he was going to be taken away by a uh, car to a market in town. Uh, tell me names of markets in London in the city oh, which one? Uh, Go on. Uh, I mean, I can Google it for you. I'm, I'm useless and stuff. Like, I mean, there's Camden. Camden Which one? Market. Yeah, I guess. Camden. Yeah. I think it was Camden, actually. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Result. <laughs> I think it was Camden. Um, and he was going to stand behind a table uh, selling Adidas boots. And right. he was going to do that for a while. And after that, he was going to be go to one of those cages in East London yep. where people were playing. Uh, and he was just going to join uh, a side that at that point will have four players. It was five a side, mm. right? So they thought it was a great idea. What they didn't realize is that by then, through Sky, as I'm saying, Messi had already become a really big figure. I'm talking, he was, he was 20. And so Adidas kind of, in a, in a weird way, told both the Sun and Sky Sports that he was going to do all that. So I was going to follow him all day along. <laughs> um, we go live on the landing of the helicopter in the marshes uh, because people are watching Sky Sports News and seeing that something's going to happen. We're not telling people what, but something is going to happen. And then this helicopter comes down. By the time that the helicopter comes down, it wasn't just the you know, the, 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 the 22 players playing and some on the bench. There was about 500 people waiting for that helicopter. So uh, he lands. People realize he's messy. We're broadcasting this live. He's on the way to the pitch where this game was being played. 
cannot get there. Yeah, That's you're not going to sit in the way. on the bench either, are you? Wow. No, I mean, <laughs> great idea, but, you know, really, um, unless you have so much security or you do it in a place that nobody can get to. So, obviously, he didn't get to the pitch. Uh, the guys that were playing, it's like, well, what's going on? What's going on? And then I shout from uh, from my standpoint, uh, the camera, camera, Sky Sports camera, filming their game. They didn't know what was, it was all weird to them anyway. I said, Messi, Messi's about to arrive. They could, they stopped playing. Uh but Messi never got there, gets taken away. Uh, then we say on the Sky Sports and also announcing the son that uh, he's going to be in, in Camden Market uh, selling boots. He gets there, uh, like hands over two boxes before the whole crowd comes in and inundates the market. He's got to get away. And then we are in the cage waiting for his arrival. And must have been a thousand people around the cage. Obviously. I obviously <laughs> I am talking to somebody and it's like the car, there's a there's a there's a black tinted car, uh is around the corner, but we're not gonna get him out because it's not safe. So we are in the middle of the cage, people are just really waiting for it. They see how we start getting our stuff together. It's like, where are you going? What is messy? And the the, the tension of that eventually um we just I don't know what we said. Uh, left, hadn't interviewed him yet. He goes into the jet to go back, uh, and then and then I said, "But that's not possible. He's got to come out and no. talk to me because I've been following him all day, all day, all uh, day." Uh, comes out with the worst face that you could imagine. He doesn't want to be there. I do a minute and a half interview. At least I get that for a guy, mm. and then he goes away. So I think that was the day where I realized wow. internationally he'd made it too. Is far too big for yeah. those kind of weird things. And in terms of your dedication to his career, how has that been for you? You know, for someone who is uh, introverted to to do that and and know that it's necessary, right? I, I would, you know, as a as a journalist who obviously focus on all sorts, but you know, La Liga in particular, did, was it just very quick that this guy is? on another level and and he is going to be play a huge part in my life no you, I, no i don't i don't plan things that way uh, but quite clearly uh, my story ends up or not ends up but obviously cross paths with with messi at some point so i did i wrote uh, or start start again i start with sky sports in 97 i do it for like almost 30 years uh, mostly related to spanish football once you are on television it's um, you get other opportunities, as you know, and uh, and I get asked to write a book. Mm. The first one is a season on the bring on Liverpool that first year of Rafa Benitez Champions League final, and this is why Orion publishes that are not football or sports publishers, general publishers, but they wanted to tell a story that's not just football, um, that that it has to do with context, with with personality, with with sociology, with history, with psychology which fits what I highlight to tell stories. So when we look for the next book, we think uh, Pep Guardiola, there's a bit of mystery about him. He was his fourth season at Barcelona, the last one. And I convinced him to help me with it at a time where, you know, media were completely banned from the training ground. And then you do Pep Guardiola, you have to do Messi uh, because I've seen uh, the impact of Messi. I've spoken to people at the club. I, I We know what it's like. Uh, so, who is this guy? Where does he come mm. from? Would he be uh, as big if he was born in Australia, which he could have been because the Messi's were thinking of emigrating to Australia before he was born? Um, the answer is no. 
it wouldn't have been the same. But I explore all that. And uh, but before all of it, because I do the same with every book, is I go to the person and to the entourage, to the family, and says, "Look, I'm doing this. It's my book, but I need your contribution because I don't want to be telling stories uh, based on newspaper cutting." So. Everybody had said yes. Rafa, of course, Benitez and his, um, his coaching staff said yes. Pep Guardiola said yes. And the people I interviewed, etc. And the message had a very simple answer from the beginning. And it was a very radical, no chance. No chance. We're not going to talk to you. We don't talk to anybody. We don't help writers. Books have been published and full of lies. And uh, I said, well, it's a chance to actually tell the, the, the true story because there is so many messy dads, people that want to be included in the messy story that were not real. In that period before the book, I actually did a documentary for Sky Sports and they got hold of it. And one of the one of the guys I've interviewed who told me that uh, gave him two alfanjores, the uh, typical Argentinian biscuit, every time that Messi scored. And and he liked doing that, scoring hat-trick, so he got six alfanjores because he loved the alfanjores. And, and he trained him in such a way and that way, and he learned from him. Never, ever met Messi, ever. Really? So No. Wow. So, obviously, I don't know, because he's part of other documentaries. He's told the same story to other people. So I said, well, you need to help me. Um a couple of weeks later, after that initial conversation with the Messies, they came back and said, look, um, I see who you are, what you've done. Uh, the Pep Guardiola book was good, so uh, we will help you. But as in, tell us who you're talking to and we'll tell you this guy is no good or this guy is part of the story. Fine. So I started doing that for for a year and a half. Uh, traveled to Argentina, spent time there. Spoke to everybody that is anybody in the story of Messi. Spoke to Leo, and uh, and then the book was finished. I wanted because it's uh, it's a book that I wanted to get right in the same way that I say to Pep Guardiola. I said, "Look, um, do you want to read the book before I get it published?" And he says, "No, no, it's, you do the book. Uh, I'll buy it in the in the bookstore." I said, "But there is one chapter in which I talk about your head. What's inside your head?" And I'm not inside your head, but, you know, it's my guess of it. No, 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 no. Okay, well, that has got a lot of responsibility when somebody gives you that freedom. But but at yeah. the same time, you, you better you better get it right. And and with the message, it was the same. It's like, have a look. I'm, I'm, I'm right. I will write it in Spanish for you so you can have a look. So they, they looked at certain things, didn't change anything, but they were quite pleased with the result. And it was them who said to me, look, if you want... Uh, just so people know, um, you can call it authorized. And it's like, okay. <laughs> uh, it's not, you know, uh, it's not usual to have the process this way. You normally start with them and then, right. you know, it's an authorized book from the beginning, but it wasn't. Uh, and since then, it's just become the only authorized book that is out there. So Amazing. they were happy with it. And every update, they, I show it to them. Um, I speak to them. The last two or three have been quite difficult because uh, it talks about the part, the party in Barcelona, time in Paris. Obviously, World Cup is a happy time, but into Miami, etc. Mm. Uh, but there are stories there that you hadn't seen published, um, and and tell, if nothing else, uh, tell the story from Leo's messy side. Mm.
let's let's get into his story because one thing I did want to get your thoughts on it is that element of comparison with Lionel Messi because someone who feels so singular and I think a bit of a theme here is the sort of balance between him being an individual and being so elite but within a team sport and and how that you know how that plays out and how sometimes you need someone and they need you and often Messi is the guy that people lead on a lot of the time um and and then broadly when a player is great you will hear Ronaldinho say this and that will lead to more people thinking and talking and then there's the Maradona comparisons and then Ronaldo turns up and throughout Messi's career comparison has just been such a huge part of 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 his life and when we are in an age where we are always talking about who is the greatest and that the conversations obviously will surround Lionel Messi as his career progresses what how do you feel about that comparison because I'd imagine with the amount of podcasts that you've done over the years you have consistently had to compare Lionel Messi to the greats or Ronaldo or or Maradona or whoever it might be how do you feel about that within Messi's story I, I got I got the answers. Uh, it took me a while, but now I got the answers, which I repeat in different ways. But uh, and we'll go into that in a minute. But you say comparisons are part of his life. Comparisons are part of our life uh, during the time that he's been at the top. Mm. Uh, for him, uh, again, one of those eureka moments in in the book. I thought, oh, I know what Messi is, because when he's eleven, you say he's he's important to every side he's been. Uh, and and how does how does the group deals with that? But from he was eleven, the coach and the players realize that he's the guy that wins games for them. So the whole world turns towards towards him, and that means that because he plays almost exactly the same way now that he does when he was eleven, and bear with me, you you, you know what I mean. Gets the ball on the right hand side, makes a diagonal, and then either shoots or assists or does a one two. You get him doing that at eleven. That means that geographically, the centre forward has got no space. No, is 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 redundant, because that diagonal, in which, for instance, Ibrahimovic will stop because he wants to be the central focal of attention, um, is on the way. Every striker has been on the way. So every coach since he was eleven had had to get rid of the strikers to allow him to do that. That's what I mean by every team has kind of have to adapt to him. And uh, and then thinking of it, it's like it doesn't matter what, what team he is. It doesn't matter who the coach is. But he ends up being the focal point. He's like a rock falling down a mountain. That's what he Messi is. So he would have fallen eventually uh, with nothing stopping him, whatever he is. He needs better context to follow from a higher mountain or to follow in a better land or, or to make a bigger impact. Uh, to be at Barcelona or to be Argentina, and all that helps to have the family he had. All that helps, but it's a rock falling down a mountain, so it's just falling. He's not looking around to see who is who looks like, or who's done the same thing as him, or but who's doing the same thing as him. The f- the footballing world ca- doesn't seem to be able to escape this comparison that element of it. So, do you feel? Do you feel like the football world? has been very guilty of that during Lionel Messi's career instead of... And there is constantly people sort of saying, just enjoy him, just enjoy him, just enjoy him. But we we couldn't get out of our own way for for the bulk of his career. Do you agree with that? Yeah, but we enjoyed him and compared him and and, and, and used him for, for um, you know, reason of 
millions to come to Barcelona and reason for millions to watch him and to enjoy him and to hate him when he actually is against your team or especially if he's English, the team is English because he had such good results with English sides. But yeah, it's not, not a problem. It's just that if you are uh, focusing on, on him and the effect of those comparisons, I can tell you that, yes, um, I think Cristiano has been lucky to actually have Messi next to him because it's pushing like... He has pushed Messi as well to new levels, but but that comparison I never fully understood. You're talking in my eyes about the greatest player ever, and there are reasons why I'm saying that. Against perhaps the greatest striker ever, which which is you know that in itself is a is a great achievement. But um, let's compare uh, Ronaldo to Pele, I don't know, or Ronaldo to Gerd Muller or to that. Mm. But Messi is. Well above all that has always been, but yes, he has allowed uh, you know football, media controversy, personalities, uh, you know comparisons. That's that's what we feed ourselves with. But uh, but yeah, uh, he, having Cristiano next to him, of course, battling both of them for all the individual and collective trophies around all of them for all the trophies in the same league. That's never happened in the history of football. And yes, mm. they made each other better, no doubt. In the case of Maradona, he never wanted to be Maradona or anything close to Maradona. Funnily enough, now that he's released uh, himself of pressure and he is in, a, in an entourage of, of players that are streetwise and very Argentinian, many from Rosario, um, who are clever, uh, he's just fallen into that. And the, the, the message that left Rosario has kind of come out and and has, you know, uh, invaded the, the 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 way he behaves in a way. Um, that is something I wanted to ask you because the the sort of the Messi of Argentina always felt like a, a far more sort of aggravated personality. It felt like it had more aggravated energy to it, and I think we we see that in the, in the World Cup. Uh, is is that something? Is that him going back to? Is does he able to sort of open up that door to that uh, as an as an Argentina player, or was that down to? Because I think as much as we've got this unbelievable possible ending in terms of this World Cup, prior to that, it felt like he was always very aggravated playing for for Argentina. You know, he he walked, didn't he, briefly, and and sort of came back. All felt felt like it was it was lost with him. Did he, was he an aggravated figure for for Argentina? The, the story is um, is simple and is Hollywood like, and and he has a a great ending. Uh, and yes, uh, I already said in the first version of the book that in 2011 he wanted to leave the national side. He felt completely unhappy about it. It wasn't a, a way of, of uh, like now, of releasing the pressure of the day-to-day football. Um, it was it was actually going to a place where he was not particularly wanted, where there were a bunch of um, different leaderships and different groups, and he never felt like he had felt in the teams that succeeded with him the focal point. So he wasn't the only reference. Whatever team he was in the uh, up till about the Copa America win. It wasn't really uh, a Leo Messi team. It was the Mascherano team, or it was the Milito team, or it was the whatever, the Veron team. Um, so he was never fully understood by both the coaches and the players, or the players didn't want to give up their authority within the changing room to give it to all to Messi, which is happening now. 
The, the one who understood him the least was Maradona because uh, I think Maradona was battling between the wish for Argentina to succeed but doing it his way against the wish for Argentina to succeed with Leo. He, he's, Maradona was always very jealous of, of what Leo provided. I'm not saying that he stopped Leo progressing, but he didn't help him create the right context for him. And the right context is now. What have we got? A manager that says, Leo, what do you need? And players that says, oh my God, this is Leo. What can we do? And there is no question of what the leader, who the leader is. Uh, but also, as I said, the personalities that are next to him are very Argentinian. And he feels at home. So as he feels at home, he comes out that 12-year-old that was from Rosario that would call somebody Bobo, as he did with Workhorst. Bobo is like a, a word, means idiot. It's a word that he used against the, the Dutch striker. And it's only used by 12-year-olds. <laughs> Adults don't use that word. So it's like the 12-year-old the Leo has just uh, resuscitated in, in, in this 36-year-old Leo. Um, and he feels completely comfortable. Now, we are sons and daughters of our circumstances. If I hadn't been in Britain, in England since 1991, I'd be a completely different person. I feel half British, half English, half Spanish, or a quarter of Catalan, whatever. I feel a complete mix, and I react to things um, because I've gone through all that. Leo goes to from Rosario to Barcelona, and he becomes a Catalan in the way we are, high emotions, um, we see Catalan see excessive emotion as a as a as a, as a weakness. Um, he's also an emigrant, which means that also the certain certain distance with the people around him is just uh, as an emigrant. And I have been the first reaction is not to trust the people that come to you, uh, and they have to break that that mold. So there's a bunch of things that have made this messy. But when given the right context or, or given the opportunity. He has become more Argentinian than ever now. And of course, he grabs Rodrigo from the from the neck or he tells Warhorse that he's an idiot or, or whatever it is that, that, that feels right at the time. Um, and he's loving it. He's loving absolutely everything that's happening because, yeah, as Pep Guardiola told us many, many years ago, uh, the, the best way to get Messi happy is to make him happy. Just just give him what he needs. The, the emergence of Emi Martinez... As, as part of it and, and the relationship that they have, obviously because of the you know the things that Emi Martinez was able to do on the pitch. But do you think there's something in the the fact that sort of opposites attract um, when it comes to Messi and, and Martinez? And sometimes, as, again, someone who's maybe a little bit more inverted, that doesn't mean he's not dry, witty, has an opinion, all those things. But to have someone who... Does it mean that you kind of are happy or you enjoy aligning yourself to someone who can kind of go and do that element for you? Like, How do you reflect on his emergence and their relationship? He's not even the most important player or the big, the closest relationship. De Paul, for instance, or Otamendi, uh, who's, who were standing in, in rooms next to him in Qatar, they've got a bigger influence, but they are like Martinez as well. They, right. They're all the same. They're all like uh, like kids that are happy to be obviously representing Argentina and they're all very professional. But at the same time, um, they are the closest I've seen for Argentina of a team that has just been picked from the park, a bunch of friends. And that is 
in any team in the world, when you actually create that atmosphere where everybody does it for everyone, it's it's it's, it's closer to be successful than it that that others. But in this particular case, it's just this sense of humor that he has, but you wouldn't see perhaps publicly. Um, the, the the opportunity to, as I said, to be to be more open about his feelings, or uh, you know, after losing with Saudi Arabia, he was very down and wouldn't hide it. He's the leader, but he would be like. This is terrible. This is horrible. And everybody had to help each other. And sometimes, as you know, the feet can actually take you closer to victory as well. Uh, Spain did the same in 2010. First, first game was a loss, and then after that, all wins. So it was the perfect storm. But it happened, and it is happening. It's a, it's a golden era of Argentinian football with the Copa America success. And let's see what happens this summer. But the favourites, clearly. And, and I've got the, 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 the dream of seeing him in another World Cup. Uh, in 2026, let's see what happens then. All that has happened because, of course, they have Messi, but because everybody understands the leadership of Messi, but even more importantly, because he feels like he's playing in in a park in Rosario near his near his home. That that comfort um, that felt a long way off. I was in Qatar, um, as as you are, I would imagine, surely. Um, and um, that that first game, the, the Saudi Arabia game. And and you, you speak about how that can kind of can lead to you you sort of galvanizing a team. One thing that I thought was really I felt is quite interesting in the coming together of Argentina as a team, the new comfort that Lionel Messi had, but also maybe sort of the meaning of life is is death a lot of the time. And so knowing that Lionel Messi, this could be he was saying it himself that this is the the last one. Do you think that? Do you think that the fans, the players, and Lionel Messi himself went into that World Cup with a different mindset because it was one where, okay, previously they were able to kind of be a bit. The fans were able to be petulant about this or that, but when it got to the crux of it, when it got to that final opportunity, both the players, Messi, and the fans sort of put down their their weapons a little bit because they knew this was the last opportunity. Yes and no. He never said he was the last World Cup. He always said, logically, this should be my last World Cup. Uh, meaning, you know, I, I'm going to be 36 or 38 in the next World Cup. Probably this will be the last one. He didn't want to play with that. But uh, quite clearly, I think the world wanted him to win. Because, yes, most people thought he was the last World Cup. But I also feel as well, because unanimously, within football, Unanimously, everybody feels that they have seen the best ever. I've got no, you know, there must be still a percentage that may debate that. But before the World Cup, within football, I'm telling players, managers, uh, coaches, they they knew they knew what he, what he represented, and wouldn't it be great if they actually managed to win the World Cup? That kind of thing. But I think he's never felt so. Uh, loved, protected, admired by everyone. He said as himself now, I mean, the kind of thing that we're talking about, we were talking in, the, in Qatar, it wouldn't be great. And, you know, Messi deserves it. And anyway, it doesn't change anything about him. He must have heard some of it because afterwards, once it was won, he has said a few times, I was amazed by how people wanted Argentina to win. And it was not Argentina. It was about Leo Messi. I don't think that's ever, ever happened where... But there is a wish for that to happen, obviously, except France, I imagine. But uh, but even then, you know, yeah, it hurts. No, well, no, I was going to say even then, the French perhaps will admit that uh, that you know it was a nice ending. But no, because 
uh, in the in the Ballon d'Or ceremony in the last one. I was there in Paris and. Uh, uh, Martinez, for instance, when when he came on the stage, he was booed by the fans. They wouldn't do that to because, um, as well as the guests uh, and 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 those that are going to get an award in this theater, there are there are fans as well invited or that pay the ticket, uh, and they wouldn't boo Messi, but they boo him with a PSG shirt after winning the World Cup. So yeah, okay, in in Paris and in France, it still hurts. The rest of the world were convinced that uh, that that would be the the perfect ending, but I insist. I, I I as soon as the World Cup finished, I'm thinking, is he is it really over? I mean, he did say, and this has been a little bit misconstructed. And I, I analyzed that in the book. As soon as he won the World Cup, he just looked at his wife and the kids where they went to the stand. I was like, that's it, yes, sir, yes, sir. It's done, it's done, it's done. And what he meant was. Um, <sighs> All, after all the pain and after all the tears and after all the effort and after all the traveling and we've done it. Not that that's it. I can go home now because he's still competing, as you see. But like, well, there is a release of of of, of pressure. Uh, but it wasn't a, a when I asked and I was told no. It wasn't like it's done. That's it. I'm retiring now. Um, made me think that perhaps the hope. Well, not perhaps the hope. In his entourage, is that he's still uh, there's still a World Cup for him to play, but they don't want to talk to him about it. They, he, there's mm. a Copa America to play first. Let's do that first, and then if he wins it, maybe he says that's it. But if he doesn't, maybe he thinks let's give it another chance. In any case, there are movable uh, parts with Scaloni, uh, Lionel Scaloni, th- kind of threatening to leave, yeah. uh, and then that may unbalance things. And so in football, you never know, but. Um, I just hope he can he can still do it for one World Cup. Absolutely. In the tournament itself, as I say, that that Saudi game was such a shock. And the next game, I remember the tension of being there and that desire as a fan to see him play and see him do well. But it was so tense, and he he stepped up so brilliantly in that game steps up very naturally in most games, doesn't he? But in the tournament, if you do reflect on the goals along the way, he's just so, so important time and again, be it a pass or, uh, or finding a yard and scoring a goal himself. It, out of those different games, uh, how do you reflect on, on his performances during the tournament? Because it, it is wonderful to go back and look at. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, that game was the worst game that Argentina played. The Mexico game, the second game, uh, and the tension was unbearable. Um, it was it was life life or death, really. And imagine for a second if he had finished badly. I mean, how could we tell the story of Messi and still say that he was the best? Many wouldn't believe it because look, you know, he hasn't won the World Cup or whatever. But uh, but yeah, um, I've always having done the biography of Maradona and watched a lot of his games. Uh, life and then and then having to do it for research. I always said that uh, Maradona picked only for two years. Uh, he was on the way up, then two years where he was the best player ever, the world has ever seen. And then he started to decline. And in this declining, they still won another Scudetto and he still was in a World Cup final. But the 85 to 87, the football that he produced... Nobody had ever seen anything like it. Semi-finals against Belgium. Uh, it's just unbelievable until this World Cup. Mm. Because what Messi did 
against France, before against Australia. I mean, the fact that he scored in every um, knockout stage, uh, that he, that he was the most relevant player in every game Argentina played, and Argentina ends up winning it. I'm sorry, but I cannot I cannot say that anymore. That what mm. Maradona produced was the best ever. No, Mar- Messi, even nothing else, equaled it for sure. How, how did, when you were there watching it at the time, I remember it was the first time I was able to see Lionel Messi live and, and I, I, I just watched him. I just, I, it, was, it was such a moment, such an emotional one for me. For, for someone like yourself who, who has seen a lot of him, but it, it was such a, poignant, such a poignant moment and chapter in his career, again, because it felt like it could be the last one. If you could sort of take yourself back to that, how did you feel emotionally during the tournament? Well, it was uh, it was an uh, emotionally very up and down tournament. Um, obviously, Leo looked after me in Mixon's uh, press conferences. He knew I was there, and if I needed something from him, and I was updating, or I was hoping to update the book again because I updated it earlier, just before the World Cup. Uh, so I needed to get something that was different, and he always stopped. In fact, the um, after the defeat against Saudi Arabia. Uh, he stopped everywhere, and what I tend to do uh, up till this World Cup is wait until the end of the of the mix zone, and people have done the job, and then they see me, and then they will tell me one or two new things, whatever. But he didn't. He did absolutely everyone, and when he got to me, he says, "Do not stand here." He told me, "Just go there at the front, because by the time I'm here, I just want to go." Right. Sorry, Leo. Sorry, Leo. <laughs> uh, so I, I wasn't there anymore. I would just move. Think we Bobo did he? No, no, but it was like, <laughs> come on. Uh, right. All right, okay, sorry. Because I think for you, surely, Gim, when the games are unfolding, you know this is history. You know you're going to have to write about this, analyse this. Like, it is different for you. And I think I and most fans are messy fans, right? And so it meant so much for all of us watching it, bizarrely, right? But for you, every stroke of the ball for him... Is is a is a new sentence in in the book, right? So that must be so visceral for you. I hadn't thought of it, but uh, but certainly there's a lot of notes uh, because yeah, <laughs> you don't want to miss anything. And but the more you think about something, the more you know, and the more you know, the easier it is to realize how important things are, or how transcendent they are, or how much you're going to need more of that particular moment. So in the World Cup, I, uh, in the book, I dedicate a couple of pages to a move, that, um, that move against Croatia, where he picks the ball on the right-hand side and he's against uh, Joseph Guardiol and how he beats him. And there's so much of Leo Messi there, of, the, of this Leo Messi, but of the, of the Leo Messi of, of all time. Uh, so whatever you look like, he's not faster than Joseph Guardiola. How is he going to do it? And how he resolves all that and, and gives the assist for the goal for, for Julian Alvarez. It's like, it was like, I needed to I needed to focus on it against the best centre-back of the World Cup. Uh, and there are other moments that people may just think they are memorable, but perhaps I dealt with them before or they, were, they didn't feel that important. So yeah, you've got the ability, the more you think about something, you've got more sorry, more knowledge and that ability to separate what's important and what isn't. But I was saying it was up and down because um, during the uh, Argentina-Holland game, my friend Grant Wall uh, basically passed away. 
yeah. in the stadium. Uh, so it felt so weird to actually see that he was on the floor and they were trying to resuscitate him and the game was going on extra time and so much so much so much shouting around related to the game while the mix all the all the media area were just we were we were in a nice in in, in a nice uh, stage there was we weren't feeling anything mm-hmm. and and then of course uh, before the whole thing finished um uh, James Honcastle, who was with me, and uh, James Grant and I shared a shared a home with um, in Qatar with uh, with Raphael Honigstein. Rafi wasn't there, but so we went. James and I went to hospital, and it's, it was the, the contrasting thing of of yes, eventually, <clears throat> just before we left, celebrating the penalty win, and 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 seeing that our friend was 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 going. We weren't sure about it, but we thought quite clearly he hadn't come back. It was uh, it was just, yeah, unbelievable. So James wanted to go after that um, and he left Qatar and I stayed because of Leo, because I, th- I had to continue doing my job and, and I, you know, I imagine that's what Graham would have liked. But, um, but yeah, there was, that World Cup brought a lot of things that, <laughs> that were completely unexpected, that being obviously the biggest one of them. Yeah, um, yeah, and obviously my I I remember I remember it then. Um, yeah, just just a horrible thing to have to happen, and for yourself, obviously, I mean, kind of makes it your thoughts probably quite fuzzy. I would imagine in the idea of you know what it kind of yeah, of course this is important. You know, this is the pinnacle of of the sport, um, and the pinnacle of someone like Lionel Messi's career, but. You know, obviously, there are more important things than that. So, there must be an incredibly difficult um, couple of weeks for you. Or, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. No, it was it was a life changing experience um, for me and for others. Uh, the yeah, I mean, he was so young, uh, uh, and he was a, a passionate lover of of the game and and. You know, I've, I've told you before. I, I, I don't love the game. I love to tell stories about the game. Um, so it makes you think. You know, okay. You know, it's, it's all this traveling worth. It is. Uh, it's all the effort worth. Uh, mm-hmm. Isn't it time to just pick the stuff that that I really want to do instead of just? I mean, yeah. It was a. Uh, it was a difficult, very, very difficult. I don't know, four, five, six months, whatever it was, because, and then uh, at the same time. I worked for La Liga TV and one of the main presenters, Simon Handley, also passed away after three months of being uh, of being ill, uh, after three months of uh, of being ill with cancer. And that happened at the same time. So uh, oh, it man. was very, very difficult to pick up from there. Uh, yeah. Mixed with the fact, uh don't want to tri- trivialize this, but of course the players and the coaches have told me it was the hardest season of their lives because... After a World Cup, you have to go back to play against, I don't know, <laughs> Alaves or whatever. And they couldn't fight it in themselves. They they really literally, like, like uh, they had to pick up themselves every day and convince that that was, you know, going to training was the thing to do and, and you have to give absolutely everything. And so mentally, it was so hard for everyone, for, for me, obviously, for obvious reasons, but for everybody else, uh, mm-hmm. a World Cup right in the middle of the season, it was it was it was draining, absolutely yeah. draining. 
And I remember at the time, I think the the football saved the tournament because the feeling around the tournament was was uh, often odd and actually kind of being there and, and enjoying it for, for what it was. And it was a very different World Cup to, to several others, obviously, to any other. But also like the, the feeling around it at the start of it um, and, and everything that kind of goes around it, the thing that kind of allowed it to survive and thrive was the matches because the football was so iconic itself. Um, and actually, you know, one quote that I, I wrote down that Lionel Messi has said sort of numerous times is stumble, get up, try again. And, um, and, and that obviously must have been something that you, was very, very difficult for yourself to, to do. To move on to that that final um, with Lionel Messi, if that's all right, mm-hmm. this idea of uh, you know sort of this movie of Lionel Messi's life was be honest, was it enough? And and there was a reporter who spoke with Lionel Messi and said, "Look, if you don't win it, it's okay. Like, we, we still love you." And uh, look, are we all um, in the grey of of these debates that you sort of talk about all the time. And I said this myself. Uh, at, at the tournament, I said, for me, it will always be Lionel Messi, of course. But if you want to end the conversation, he has to, he has to win it. So do you think that it was enough to make the final? Would it have been enough or did he need to win it? I'm biased because I, I can give you a hundred reasons why he was already the best player in the world ever. Uh, I'll give you a basic one uh, and I need to update this, but... I think in 30 finals, uh, no, sorry, in 35 finals, he scored like 30 goals. And I'm not even counting assists. So it's like he, he, every, in every final, at least once, he determines where the, goal, where the game goes. Nobody ever in the game has done that. No Maradona, no Pelé, no, nobody. But okay, uh, it will take me longer to convince people that he's the best ever uh, if he just played the final. Now it's like, the debate is over, isn't it? Uh, and and I, this is no disrespect to Cristiano Ronaldo, but Cristiano was lucky to be considered the best ever because that's where the conversation with Leo Messi is. So, of course, if people think that he's as good, then you have to say Cristiano will be one of the best ever. He's not. He isn't. Uh, but uh, he actually had the ability, which I'm not sure many other players in the history of the game would have been that, but been able to hold himself against... Leo Messi for long enough to actually take few Ballon d'Ors out of him, uh, and and to actually create this this false debate about who is the best ever. Um, well done, Cristiano, but he doesn't belong to that conversation. Uh, Leo is well above everything else, and and as they are getting to the end, you can see it clear, even more clear. I mean, he. Uh, I think I heard it from Jorge Valdano first, the former manager and director of football and of Real Madrid and Argentina, Boca Buena himself. He said, look, we're, now that the, the body's giving up on both, on Leo and, and on Cristiano, uh, Leo is getting, is getting 20 metres away from goal because he sees the whole picture because he he will give more solutions to uh, to the team and Cristiano is getting 20 meters closer to the goal he wants to be the one that finishes it 
Right. Now, uh, that has to do with the personality, has to do with their traits, as uh, physical traits, and what they want to be in the game. Cristiano wants to be the one that finishes it. Others will do the work that doesn't doesn't come out in the headlines, that doesn't give you books, and that doesn't give you movies. But he'll, the, he'll be the one scoring the goal. For Leo, it's like, I'm going to be the one that actually will allow my team to win. And because he does it, mm-hmm. he has done it, and he's doing it now, it's another clue of why he was... Better than Cristiano, if you want to, if you if you want to just focus on that, uh, but the fact that he's done it at the highest level for more often than anybody else in history gives him the title of the goat. There's an incredible moment that's captured just before the final penalty, where he looks to the heavens and says, "Do you do you know what he says?" It's, he speaks about his grandma. So the myth says. Oh, is this so? Is this not true as well? You're doing a lot of myth busting here. So, uh, so guys, uh, I, well, from what I've seen, is this idea that said it could be today, Grandma? Is that not true? <laughs> By the book. Oh, very good. And the link to the book, of course, is in the description of this podcast. By the way, um, do you feel about? I, I was watching this uh, interview with. Uh, who was it? It was um, Andre 3000, who is uh, obviously a rapper, but hasn't rapped for a really long time. And they were talking about this idea and I was trying to figure it out with my producer, Kai, because I had this um, theory that subconsciously or in the ether, there was a sort of cosmic pressure that I felt. And that was the phrase of this, this interview used. This cosmic pressure that deep down the world and football owed and again it's very romantic that's that's what i'm like but football kind of owed messi that world cup and and that gentle urging even though it's a sport and two guys you know obviously france gave absolutely everything or so they think do you do you subscribe to the divinity the the destiny of lionel messi with this world cup wing and and that possibility of that desire of the world to see him win it that that allowed it in in any percentage to to come true. I wanted him to win it, yes, uh, but it was done in such a again such a Hollywood way. Started with a defeat, uh, a game that was escaping from them uh, uh, in the final against the other big player of the tournament. I mean, it's got all the uh, all the script twists that that you want in it, but mostly uh, it was done in the right way. That is the thing I really like about it. Not only that, we all wanted him to win it. Yes, yes. He, 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 you know, not sure if it was his destiny or what, but it, will, it, it made a lot of sense for him to win it. But that he won it the right way, as in, as a consequence of a team, as we described earlier, that, that where they all work for each other, where the leadership is clear, where the instructions are clear, where the corrections are right, where players that come on the bench make a difference, where the coach understands where who is the biggest person there, where the captain, in being Leo Messi, leads the right way as well, where there is a lot of work being done behind the scenes from asados, from for barbecues, to, uh, to sports science, it was all done the right way. It wasn't an accident, and they did it by playing good football in, in, in a tournament that is difficult to do because we know they don't have time to train, etc. and everybody is different, and all, all of a sudden three players come from nowhere and become very important, and so to, to put it all that together is very, very hard, but they did it, uh, and they did it by everybody running very hard for Leo, for themselves. You know, stories like... Uh, 
it was Julian Alvarez, no, who wrote a, a letter in Facebook when he was like a kid uh, about when Leo Messi was uh, had said that he'd left the national side and 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 Julian saying in that letter, we cannot understand how you think because we we're not you. you, you are a different level. But but please, if you after a while feel that you have to come back, you'll be received with open arms because you are so important to us. All of that, and then he goes and assists a goal for Albert to score, and they both having win the World Cup. Unbelievable. The story is unbelievable. And and I think what makes it uh, special as well is, is that this is a 16-season uh, series <laughs> or 17 se- because we followed him every single year and we know every single episode and we know what has happened before and we know that he's been up and down and with the national side wasn't working and boom, in the last series, in the last episode, he goes and wins it. Fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah, me, me and my producer Kai were chatting before and we were going, you know, it feels like a movie. And then he, he was saying, actually, it feels like a trilogy, but you've now made it a Netflix series, which I, well, whatever series, other platforms are available. Um, but that's, I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I think, yeah, he's just outrageous. And I think uh, the final two questions I wanted to ask you were, first of all, how will, how will you feel when he kicks his final ball and isn't playing anymore? How will you feel? Again, the ending of the book tells you a little bit of a clue. Um, yeah, I'll say it. Orphans will be orphans because after Messi, we'll be looking for Messi. But you have to. I mean, you know, it's filled that is it, it will it will make such a hole in our mind or in our. I'm lucky that I'm you know I'm 55 and uh, you know I won't be wanted for long in this world uh, of journalism and writing. Uh, so you know, uh, but as fans. Uh, it's, it's just, we shouldn't be looking for another Messi, but I unconsciously will say, okay, who is, we, we've been used to in 17 years for somebody to be ahead of the game most of the time. So it won't feel good enough if Mbappé is very good for two years and then a third year he isn't. It, it won't feel good enough if uh, if Haaland scores really amazing amount of goals for a couple of seasons and then after three or four or whatever, goes to another club, it doesn't work. It won't feel good enough for him mm-hmm. we'll feel like right what is that guy that's just gonna again end all the the, the debates and uh, and that we want to go and see and pay you know a flight and a hotel and a ticket to actually go and see live who would you do that for these days nobody yeah no absolutely nobody and i, I think that's that's it as well. I think we come back to generally it's a dangerous thing to to sort of complete things because you think, oh, you know, a hunger will be lost. But I think, again, I think that's sort of a uh, a measure of the player and, and the way he's done it is that we were OK with him completing it. We were OK with the, the debates having a full stop at the end of them because of just the fact that he's an utter magician. It's a, it's a, it's a homage to ourselves. We watched the whole series. I mean, the the ending has to be good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but and I think I think that's why I wanted it as well because I think it would have been so heartbreaking for what we want to believe in in a sport that feels more and more corrupt every day. That a, a little guy who you know who had to have injections, who you know had hepatitis, like had all these things, who was too small, too slow, or whatever it might have been, right, can just be otherworldly yeah absolutely um yeah final question for you let's explain that so people if people don't know Sorry, he took yeah, injections because he could uh to grow naturally so basically you know like the duracell 
um, rabbits. Uh, if you, you know you have, they have two two batteries to, for them to work. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a very old advertisement, but some of you will understand what I'm saying. Yes, um, people still use batteries. Fine. Yeah, if you if you take one of the batteries, it doesn't go. Right. And he didn't have that second battery. He didn't have that. So the injections is that second battery that we all have. So he was growing mm-hmm. by by getting hormone injections. He grew naturally. Um, mm-hmm. So and yes, uh, you 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 said it absolutely right. For this guy that needed to. The, his growth had been stopped and needed science to help him. Uh, for this guy that is short, um, who is not the fastest, who obviously not the strongest, uh, to actually get to the top and and win everything. Pff, wow! Yeah, uh, we do believe in, in 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 romantic endings after that. Absolutely. Final question. I, I put it on Twitter, and actually my, my Twitter's gone crazy because I've got already, and I think I posted it half an hour ago. Describe Messi in a word and, and not goat. And there's all sorts. And actually, I thought it might be just be one or two words that seem to be specific to him. But there is such uh, an array, you know, epic, magic, uh, a whole host. But I wanted to ask you that question. If you could, if you had to describe him in one word, what is the word that, that, that comes to mind for you? Never done that before. Well, I'm going to say a word that's come out straight away to me. Uh, which, which of course makes more sense now, having gone through all the years where I worked with him commercially, I've written about him, I've spoken about him, and what he's done to me in that process. And I'll say the word uh, respectful uh, for somebody of his stature, uh, of 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 with so many people that want bits of him, to actually be so respectful to what I was doing whatever in his mind that is um it's something to be eternally grateful Guillaume thank you so much for for being so candid and actually putting in my putting me in my place a few times actually because I think I got I may have got carried a little way a little bit but you brought me back which is good and obviously always so insightful please please tell people um just quickly obviously I mean we've we've said it a couple of times but tell people about about the book and 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 why it's so great go for it yeah it's um it's the authorized book, the only one that is a biography of, of Leo Messi, updated now to the World Cup and his move to Inter Miami. And obviously, obviously, what happened with Barcelona both when he left, and this summer, last summer, when they tried to get him back, uh, well, tried with in inverted commas, um, and and it's in all the good bookstores, and obviously, obviously, you can get it in Amazon. It's been updated for the UK market. Uh, eventually will be for the Spanish market and the other 22 languages that uh, that has been translated into. But in Britain, you can get it straight away for Christmas to give it to your brother, sister, mom, dad, and everybody else you know. It is actually on my list. My family, we had to get the lists in and it's on my list. So, uh, so I, yeah, I cannot wait to read it. Uh, Guillaume, thank you so much for your generosity of, of sharing your time with me. Uh, all the best with everything. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Cheers, James.